Welcome to the Sound Off by Safe and Sound Schools with me, your host, Michelle Gay, presented by Entrato School Messenger, the premier school safety communications provider in the U.S. and Canada. After losing my daughter in the Sandy Hook School tragedy, I made it my mission to help protect every school and every student every day. Each week, here on the Sound Off, we'll explore the biggest issues affecting school communities from health, security, crisis prevention, and so much more. You'll hear from today's leading school safety experts to share their experiences, knowledge, and inspiration. And I wish, I wish there was more discussion. I also wish I understood why people are getting so mad about this. But really, what I'd, what I'd rather see is us have a conversation about what can keep our kids safe at school. I mean, that's, that's right, that's your podcast, that's your message, that's everything. So let's start from there. Hey everyone, it's back to school season, still my favorite time of year. On today's episode of The Sound Off, we'll be covering all things back to school. One of the biggest concerns, how to keep our kids safe from the Delta variant. We're speaking today with a pediatrician about what you need to know. Plus, this fall's must-have supplies, a big challenge hitting all U.S. schools, and how to ease back into school and keep anxiety in check. Let's dive right in. Entrato School Messenger is the premier school safety communications provider in the U.S. and Canada. Leveraging Entrato's unique position as both a public safety and school communications leader. So as we all know, there's been a rise in cases of COVID-19, and now health experts are especially concerned about infections among children who are not yet eligible to receive a vaccine. As of today's recording, the American Academy of Pediatrics is reporting more than 252,000 cases of child COVID in the U.S. in the past week. That's the largest number of child cases since the pandemic began. So what does this mean for the return to in-person learning? We're here speaking with Dr. Joshua Shafson, pediatrician and director of infection prevention and control at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Doctor, thanks for being here with us on the Safe and Sound Schools podcast, The Sound Off. We've got a lot of questions for you. There's lots to unpack. So I've heard you speak a little bit about bundling. And I think the concept is brilliant. I don't know if you came up with that yourself, if you borrowed that from colleagues. No, no. oh, I uh, borrowed that, yeah. All good things, all good things, <laughs> right, are, are shared. That's um, right. But it reminds me a lot of the layered approach that we advocate um, here at Safe and Sound Schools when it comes to school safety. Uh, you'll hear a lot, uh, I think in all things, you know, what's the one thing, what's the answer, um, what's the magic pill, um, and and I think, Anyone who works in, in the field, public safety, um, public health, and any fields um, like that, mental health, I think we all understand that there really isn't one fix or a quick fix at that. So um, I love this idea of bundling. Um, I love this idea that we are going to layer multiple things um, around to, to create the best possible outcome, especially at this time when we're kind of learning as we go. So can you share a little bit of this concept with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. And thanks so much for having me today. Um, the bundle, um, like you said, it's layering. It, it's it been around in a lot of different places. Um, in healthcare, we use it for safety and to prevent infections or other adverse outcomes. Um, so for example, um, somebody going into surgery will have antibiotics prior to surgery, will bathe, will get certain things treated with the skin, you'll make sure you're managing their diabetes, etc. If you do all of those things together, 
you will get better prevention of the infection than if you did one or two of them individually. And what we talk about with bundles, so the definition of a bundle is a number of interventions that individually will work, but when done together, will give you a better, will do more. Um, and, and the biggest question out there is, okay, so what's the one piece? But it doesn't exist. It doesn't. In fact, I would say the most essential piece of any bundle is reliability. It's doing what you expect to be doing and making sure you're doing it consistently. People have shown that in healthcare, when you standardize a process, when you, you define the steps and make sure that everybody is following the steps, you get a better outcome. And it's just because you take out the random occurrences and you take out the one-offs that people focus on and, and make different decisions. Um, and so uh, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to just come up with a few interventions that you can do as consistently as possible to give yourself the best chance at preventing. Um, so when we talk about school bundles and we talk about COVID prevention bundles, um, number one is masking. So protecting ourselves and others. Um, number two is distancing. Number three is hand hygiene. And then number four, if eligible, would be vaccination. Um, and then humans love complexity. They always want to add something else. Um, you know, you could get a banana split, but it would be that much better if you put nuts on it. And so... Or the cherry on right, top. Exactly, <laughs> right? It would be delicious without the cherry, but you can't resist. And so then people always say, well, what about ventilation? And, you know, what about other things and, and cleaning? And those won't do any harm. Absolutely. So opening windows when possible, keeping doors open, trying to keep the air circulating, regular cleaning. It doesn't have to be some spacesuit enhanced something. It's just making sure things get clean um, will absolutely help. But if investing in those efforts, so investing in cleaning products or people doing the cleaning or how to do the cleaning is going to take away from you being able to make sure that you're doing the masking and the hand hygiene. I would say focus on the masking and hand hygiene and make sure that you're doing it reliably. So all things in balance, mm -hmm. right? And we're mm -hmm. we're basically stacking the deck in That's right. in, every, in favor of everyone's health, yep. right? Um, and 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 when you look at it that way, it feels like you are simplifying. Really, it just you know we're yeah. we're going to be doing these simple basics and combined together they can be a really formidable defense mm -hmm. or protection yep. for our students. I mean, and, and what's really important is that um, parents recognize that, one, they know their kids, and two, they have sent their kids to school and kept them safe for many, many years. Um, one of the things that people often ask is, well, what if kids are uncomfortable with masks? How do you wear them in school? And I say, well, it's about figuring out how, who hasn't sent a kindergartner in and had to teach them how to wear shoes before they go to school, right? And if I asked you for that kindergartner, what is the one thing that you need in order for them to feel comfortable at school on that first day? I have a feeling you would come up with a few things and that's a bundle. Makes so much sense. Well, since you brought up the masks, right? Masks are... Mm -hmm. We're, we're talking a lot about masks um, everywhere in this country. Um, so let, let's let's dive in on those. You know, I think while we continue to learn about this virus and and all of its variants, as I said earlier, in real time, masks are a simple, albeit inconvenient strategy that we believe will help the spread. 
But I have to wonder, you know, with so many different kinds of masks out there, are they all equally effective? What are you recommending that best protects our kids? I was just talking to my um, my sophomore in college, and um, she's sewing new masks. You know, she's embraced. She's mm-hmm. found cool ways to to get on the train, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder about the cloth masks that she's mm-hmm. that she's creating and, and distributing, right? Are they going to offer the best chance? And you know, so so many things to consider there because there are just yeah. they're not all created equal. I would imagine. Well, they're, they're not. But the thing is that the question to ask is not what is the best mask because again, we can get as complex as you want, and we can talk about nanoparticles and and microns and whatever. But really, in the end, um, how do you pick a shirt? It's comfortable. You like the color and it looks good, right? Um, So the way to think about masks is the same way. First and foremost, there needs to be more than one layer. Cloth masks are fine, at least double layered, perfectly fine. Paper masks typically will come with at least two or more layers. So those disposable masks are usually fine. Um, There's these products called gaiters that are just a very thin or like a bandana. Kids love them. You know, yeah, yeah, except that they're one layer. So they are going to be less effective. Um, And CDC would recommend that you double up or that you fold over. But really, any paper mask or any cloth mask that has multiple layers will give you adequate protection. Because really what you're asking yourself is, what am I trying to achieve? And masks do two things. The one is anybody who is shedding virus, so especially somebody with symptoms, but anybody who's coughing, sneezing, etc., it will contain those virus particles and keep them from getting out into the air. The second is you're protecting the individual and trying to keep the particles from getting through and into your breathing um, and so that you inhale them and potentially become infected. People will uh, get very detailed about the size of the pores and the the aerosols of the virus and all these things. And truthfully, all of that is relevant, but everything in its time and everything taken together, right? So uh, viruses do not wake up one day and say, how can I get through this mask? I'm going to try to get past it. I I don't know if they sit around the dinner table and make plans. Um, I think that they're very (laughs) simple organisms. And typically, a sneeze is not individual viruses. It's a lot of mucus and a fair amount of snot. So most of these particles are pretty big. They have a lot of virus in them, but they're big. And so most masks, and especially these double-layered masks, will block those droplets perfectly fine. So that's really where you focus on. When people yeah. talk about ca- keeping it simple, yeah, it, it really, mm-hmm. it really is, and I think that it's very important to try to keep it as simple as possible. One, um, because reliability, in order to do things consistently, you just got to bottom line it. You just got to make it as straightforward. You find your best way to get to work every day, and you do it, um, rather than ooh, I'm going to make it more complex today and try a different bridge. Like you just wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. The other is that you can drive yourself crazy with the what ifs. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's risk to everything that we do. There's risks when we get up in the morning. There's, there's risk when we take a shower. You know, it's, it's all about balancing those risks. If we can find a consistent way to manage those risks enough that we are giving ourselves as best a chance as not having the bad outcome, that's success. And that's really what we try to do every day. 
So just a real quick comment on, so KN95, N95, all these other fancy mm-hmm. pants. Um, so again, it's similar to the idea of ventilation in schools. Yeah. I mean, KN95s probably give you better filtration than a cloth mask or a paper mask. Um, but how comfortable is it? Right? So like, you know, uh, I could wear a shirt made of wool. Um, and and forego a jacket in the winter, but I will be extremely uncomfortable. So I'd rather just wear a jacket and take it off. Yeah, and we are asking kids to wear masks pretty much for the whole day. We, That's, we are, it's although it's, so it's throughout the day. Remember that um, it's not for a full eight hours straight. It'd be like asking a kid to sit for eight hours straight. I don't, I don't know any kid who can do that. You know, So they go to school throughout the day, and they're up, and they're down, and they're in, and they're out. And so there's room for mask breaks. They're going to eat. They won't be wearing a mask when they eat. Um, so it's not straight through, but you're right. They do need to tolerate it on a regular basis. Um, the N95s are a tool used in industry and in healthcare for extra filtration. And in order for them to work effectively, you have to fit it to one's face. They're very uncomfortable. When I wear it, I find it hard for me to take breaths just because I'm working harder to pull the air through. It's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't get lightheaded, but I don't like wearing them. And so the question of an N95 that isn't fitted to your face, how effective is it? I don't think anybody knows. And so the, when it comes down to it, the CDC recommends well-fitting and comfortable. And that's really what you want to focus on. That makes great sense. And and as you said with the discussion about bundling, that's not our only intervention. Exactly. That's not our only layer. Exactly. Um so we don't we don't need, you know, the fancy pants mask, as you said. I thought that's that was, right. That was a that's right. Let's just it, have yeah. another piece. And and I'll just say, like I, I really feel for parents and, and them being unsure and not knowing, you know, should we mandate masks, should we not mandate masks? And I wish I wish there was more discussion. I also wish I understood why people are getting so mad about this. Um, I, I can understand infringement and I can understand people not wanting to be forced to do something. Um, but really, what I'd, what I'd rather see is us have a conversation about what can keep our kids safe at school. I mean, that's, that's right. That's your podcast. That's your message. That's everything. So that's let's start line. from there. And to me, I think the evidence is pretty clear that masks should be part of that bundle. Um, they don't have to be. Um, and if if we don't want them, something's going to have to replace them. And so we should just talk about what what else we would do to help protect our kids. Because uh, the bottom line is that the best thing for kids is in-person school. I mean, that's, that, that is essential. 100%. We have to do it. Um, so, so, you know, really, to me, it's about figuring out how we keep them safe, if masking is part of that, which I think it has to be, um, then we figure out how people become more comfortable with wearing masks. Think about uniforms in schools. So um, schools have dress codes, and some are more enforced than others. And then some require you to wear one of two color shirts that you buy at their store, and you must. And what, what benefit does that provide at school in terms of safety, in terms of health? I don't know. Um, it, there's certainly a purpose. So if your philosophy is we need to require and have uniformity, then a mask requirement probably makes most sense to you. If it's here are the parameters of our dress code, 
just be respectful, wear what you want, etc., then maybe you don't have to require masks, but you know, you allow freedom. No matter what, kids need to feel comfortable wearing what they're wearing and being able to wear a mask. Without a doubt. And it's interesting you mentioned the the dress codes and the uniforms because that has become part of this conversation about masks. We are hearing that uh, in in areas where um, where they've chosen to not make a mandate about masks, uh, a lot of the school districts are looking at the dress code and and making the school mask. You know, there's a one with the mm-hmm. the, yeah. the emblem right. of the mascot. You mm-hmm. know, and that is now part of you know part of the uniform. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, it's a fascinating um, kind of exploration exploration of sociology yeah. and and how people yeah. are are problem solving um but i i i do like a lot of what you're saying in in terms of you know it doesn't have to be um it's one of the important things that we can add and if we're not going to do it then what are we going to put in its place let's be practical right. as we have this conversation i was going to say i've been impressed with how so many students have adapted to mm-hmm. masks to your point about wearing shoes, which for my kids was a tremendous struggle. No question. <laughs> I don't know why. No question. But, you know, we had to work on that. Yep. And uh, we yep. had to find all kinds of clever ways to, in, you know, incentivize them to compromise uh, to make it so that they would wear shoes to school. And I'm happy to report that they do oh, now. Oh, good. Um, good. So you're a sophomore. fabulous. <laughs> you don't know if <laughs> she does. She's wearing shoes. Okay. I'm pretty College. sure she does. But um, it's questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Right. So it's it's all about context and putting it in the right context. And along with bundle, along with reliability is monitoring, is seeing how, how often you're doing what you expect to be doing and what's the outcome. So if you decide that masking is optional, you should know what percent of people are masking, right? And you should look at how many people are getting sick and how many people are needing to be quarantined and ask yourself, if I change this, would this make a difference? The answer might be no. In an ideal world, nobody with symptoms comes to school. We're distancing adequately. Whoever wants to mask can mask freely and do so. Whoever doesn't can mask freely and unmask and and do so freely. Respectfully, it's all fine. We're all focusing on education because that's why schools exist. And, you know, we all do this healthily. If, if we can't achieve that, so we need to be able to monitor to make sure that we're achieving that. If we can't achieve it, then we need to change our rules. You know, we, we went from one-room schoolhouses to, you know, different grades. We went from this kind of math to that kind of math. I mean, you know, we're humans. We innovate and we adopt and adapt based on changes that exist. And here's the next challenge that's facing us. And it is, absolutely. With these challenges often come a lot of anxiety, right? Yes. And I think that's why so many of these conversations are emotional um, for, for so many people. Uh, and talking, you know, talking about the pandemic, um, you know, we've seen just as lay people, and I'm sure you can report more specifically on this, but a lot of increased anxiety. I know that I can, I can attest to that in my own household. Um, you know, we've had to make good use of community resources, be in touch with our our family pediatricians and our doctors um, to to really stay on it because it is almost 
it's almost like, you know, the, the pandemic or epidemic within the pandemic, this anxiety and how it is um, manifesting as a result of the pandemic here. So are you seeing this trend in pediatrics and, and how do you recommend that we combat it and, and better support our vulnerable children and, and families that are being affected by this? Yeah. Um, so absolutely. Uh, children with underlying anxiety, it exacerbates it. Uh, children who may have not been anxious before will develop some sort of situational anxiety or or something else. Um, so so, but the way to approach it is how we've always approached it. So the first is um, transparency and honesty. It is okay not to know. It doesn't mean that you don't know anything. It just means that you don't know the specific answer to that question. So my seventeen year old, um, does have uh, underlying anxiety and often will ask me, uh, is it going to be okay? Now, I know it'll be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay, but I believe that it's going to be okay. And so that's what I tell her. I say, I don't know exactly how, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be okay. Now let's talk about stuff, which is number two, that we can control. So what mm-hmm. can we control? Rather than focusing on the things we can't control or we wish we could, but we won't, so we will never control other people's behavior. We will never convince the virus. Again, we're not going to go into that dinner table and convince the virus to change. Um, the people that everybody's asked me to stop this pandemic, and I tell them that secretly I know how I just won't, but that's not true. I, <laughs> I'm trying just like everybody else. And honestly, every so often I feel the anxiety as well. You know, we're all human. But what can we do? And so that's where we focus on hand washing. We focus on being in touch with your symptoms. We focus on talking about it and relaying. And then we, number three is we have to learn from what we've done. So history repeats itself because we don't learn adequately from history or we think we have a great new idea, but it's not. It's actually something that we know about. We just weren't paying attention. And we learned last year that it is unhealthy for kids to not be in person in school period, from an academic, from a psychological, from, you know, behavioral, et cetera. It, it's simply not. Plus, it's a tremendous strain on the parents. Um, it's a complete change in how you try to do things. Yes, you're all in the same house, but if you're trying to work and your kids are home, like, it, it's very hard. So that that learning takes us to we have to have in-person school. And I think that what that tells us is that kids interacting with each other, finding ways to interact with one another, um, is a good thing. It'll be easier, um, and I think easier to feel comfortable once kids um, become vaccinated. But again, like you said, kids kids are much better at adapting and changing than adults give them credit for. So True. kids, you give them something and they'll put on the mask and you say, listen, we just got to, we got to wear these masks and their friends are wearing masks and they'll do it. No problem. Right. Give them, give them the right color, the right decoration. I mean, come on, we have underwear that's like superhero costumes. Of course they're going to wear masks. No biggie. Right. And if we make it a, not a big deal. So, so I think it's three pieces. Now, uh, so three pieces, one, transparency and honesty, have an honest conversation. And it, it depends on the cognitive level of your kid, the developmental level of your kid, how comfortable your kid is with um, uncertainty. But pretending that it's black and white, is it's not going to fly because we all know it's not and they know it's not. The second is um, focusing on what you can control. So kids love structure in part because they can feel in control. 
So getting up at certain times, eating at certain times, eating certain foods, I mean, even just being very regimented is helpful. Chores, et cetera, keeps your house clean. It's, it's a nice byproduct. And then uh, the third thing is learning from our experiences. The last is that we should recognize when we're over our heads or when our kids need more help. So we should access the mental health system and have a low threshold for that. School guidance counselors, you know, pastor, chaplain type, um, and medical professionals, psychologists, talk therapy, as well as psychiatry, depending on the, con- the situation, general pediatrician, excellent, have a connection. And one thing we always recommend, I always recommend when people say, how do we prepare for flu? What should we do? Have a conversation with your pediatrician ahead of time. My kid, how vulnerable, how worried, what should I be looking for? And then if that happens, what should I do? And that's, I mean, that's basic, you know, take two of these and call me in the morning. Like, try this and then let me know how it goes. Um, So it's totally reasonable to reach out ahead of time and say, listen, my kid typically isn't anxious. I'm worried that they're going to develop some anxiety around this COVID. So I'm going to try this and this. Can you give me some advice? How vulnerable do you think the kid is? What might be a good thing to look for? And who should I call when that happens? And primary care physicians are very, very good at knowing their resources, knowing their families, and at helping direct kids. And teachers actually are very, very good at it as well. They spend an awful lot of time with your children and get to know them quite well. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned black and white thinking, and it stuck stuck out to me, kind of struck me, because I think so many of the emotions around around this pandemic... um, kind of go back to that. And I think, you know, we all ultimately want to know sort of in our black and white thinking, when's it going to be over? How do we fix it? What's the answer? Mm -hmm. Um, And and we just don't, you know, and to be able to be honest and say, this is, this is what we know right now as a best practice that may change, you know, in, in a couple months, we may realize, oh oh my goodness, you know, the data is, is in now and, um, and we can look at that data and make different decisions. But I think um, that's that's such an important and empowering conversation to have, especially with perhaps our middle and high schoolers that are like little sponges mm-hmm. for, you know, the news happening, yeah. um, you know, in, in the family room, and the conversations that adults are having and and kind of uh, the unfortunately, the political bent of, mm-hmm. of some of these um, of some of these debates. Yeah, what's what's really unfortunate is that there are lots of people willing to get on media and claim that it's black and white, or to point out when something changes and accuse somebody of being dishonest uh, or missing something. And the truth of the matter is, is we're trying to define the pool while we're swimming underwater. Uh, We're in it. And so we really won't understand all of this until after, and we look back. That's how science works best. We can't pretend that the science on COVID is as robust as that for flu, because flu has been around for a hundred years. That's right versus barely two. It's just, and it's a very different virus. It's behaving very differently. So yeah, we know a lot about flu. There's still a lot that we don't know, but beta coronaviruses are very different. Surprise. Um, It's kind of like, and you know, I try to come up with analogies um, that work for kids. It's kind of like asking in the fifth inning who won the game. You don't know. That's a great one. And you one. can go online and see the probability, right? So, like, they'll show you, mm-hmm. oh, most likely this team's going to win or not. But it could change. 
And there's all kinds of videos on YouTube that show these great comebacks where people look like the team was going to lose with two minutes to go, and then they win. So, you, you know, we deal with uncertainty. We enjoy uncertainty to some degree, and it's okay to live there. It's important, I think, absolutely to demonstrate to um, people that even though we desire to make things one way or the other, we desire to put them in buckets because it helps give us a, a sense of security. And when we're able to do that, that's terrific, right? When you're able to say, no, don't put your hand on a hot stove, that's easy, right? But very little in the universe <laughs> is that simple. And so trying to talk through it, and then you can ask, so what do we know for sure, right? So we know that hand washing is a good thing. Period. That, that was shown in the mid-1800s, before germ theory was put forward. So uh, they didn't know germs existed, but they knew that hand-washing worked. So that one is not debatable. Let's focus on that. Let's make sure that we're carrying around hand sanitizers, make sure we're doing it regularly during the day. When I, so I'm an infectious disease uh, specialist, and I saw uh, a very nice young lady, uh, precocious eight-year-old, nine-year-old, um, as they are. And, um, you know, in our chatting, she relayed that she was very anxious. She was afraid of getting sick. This is pre-COVID. It's like a good year and a half before COVID. And she was afraid that she was going to get sick. And how can she not get sick? And it was really affecting her day to day. And what I told her was, look, I, I am an infectious diseases doctor. So what I do every day is go in and seek out infection. Um, and yet I really don't get sick very often. I very rarely miss work. I, I, I don't get a fever. And why do I think that is? And the reason is one, because I'm careful, but two, because I wash my hands. I wash my hands throughout the day. I've taught myself to, to remind myself to wash my hands. When I, when I see patients in clinic, I'll wash my hands. When I go in, I'll wash them halfway through. I'll wash them when I leave, you know, with the hand sanitizer. When we switched to telemedicine for the uh, pandemic, I found that when I was talking with them, I was looking for the hand sanitizer, like in my office. It's part of your routine. It is, <laughs> right? So you teach yourself the same way that you teach yourself to brush your teeth, to floss, to, to flush, to wash your hands after you flush. Like you, you teach yourself these routines. Initially, children aren't born knowing that they need to do it, but parents teach them and hold them accountable. Did you wash your hands? Did you brush your teeth? And then once they get old enough, so like I said, I have a 17-year-old. If I asked her, did you brush your teeth? She will give me a look like, what do you think I am? Right? But she wasn't born with that knowledge or with holding herself accountable. So, so anyway, long story short, there are things that we can anchor on, that we can rely on. And then everything else is, is uncertain. That's okay. That's all right. We're going to figure and it here's out. What I, I love I know that. Right An now. We'll anchor on that. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to start we're going to start here and and we're going to get better mm -hmm. at this yeah. together. What is your child going to be when they grow up? Where are they going to go to college? What's what are they how many children are they going to have if they have children are they going to get married? You can't answer any of those questions and it's exciting to find out. Right? I mean in in kid terms, so we know when they're infants and they're babies. When are they big kids? What is that threshold? I'm still waiting, doctor. That's what I'm saying. I'm still waiting. <laughs> right? And especially adulthood. It's, it's vague. It happens over time. But you look back and you say, you know what? You are a grown-up. And you're acting like a grown-up. Or I expect you to act like a grown-up. Like, it's about time. Um, right? But there's no magical flag that pops up. And you don't know when it's going to come. You can guess. But you don't know. 
and and that's the beauty of being a parent and and the beauty of of watching kids grow and develop but it's also a massive amount of uncertainty i don't know it's and it comes with a job it does it comes it does. with a job and yet we cope Whether, with it yeah we've been doing it for we generations do. that's why we can that's why i know with confidence that we're going to be okay we just i don't know how but i know we will Amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Joshua Shafson, pediatrician and director of infection prevention and control at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. We so appreciate your sharing your insights, experiences, your sense of humor, and uh, your realistic approach to how we're going to get through this. We are kind of, as you said, still in the middle of the ninth inning, maybe. I don't know. Oh, and, I hope um, so. I hope there aren't extra I know. innings. I hope you're right. I hope One so, day too. Time. But there is there is hope Absolutely. and excitement. And who knows, some of these uh, kids that we're talking about, some of these students, they may be the next infectious disease uh, specialist yeah, out there. They can have my job. Without a doubt. Totally. <laughs> Any one of them. Well, Absolutely. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us and lifting us up today. Thank you very much, Michelle. And, and everybody stay safe. And, and one day at a time, we'll get through this. When it comes to school safety, our friends at Entrato have school communities covered. They deliver advanced school safety solutions that lead to safer environments for our children. With over 40 years in public safety and more than 20 years in schools, Entrato Safety Suite brings unparalleled experience to school safety. Safety Suite combines the most advanced emergency management, response, on-campus notification, and parent communication tools together to create a 360-degree wall of protection against all kinds of school safety threats. Visit entrado.com slash safety suite for education to learn more. So now it's time for a segment that we call the Sound Off, where we weigh in on some trending school safety stories, and today we're focusing on back to school. First up, back to school season means back to school shopping. Some of us enjoy that quite a bit. CNET recently released the must-haves for in-person learning this fall, and here are a few things on the list. Water bottles right up at the top. Whether your kids are in elementary school or high school, a self-cleaning bottle can be a good way to make sure they stay hydrated and healthy back in the classroom. Also, multiple face masks. Masks are not fun to wear. I think we can all agree on this, but they're an essential tool in the arsenal that we have to, prote to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And now there are multiple options, stylish ones to accessorize with back-to-school outfits, masks for exercise in sports or gym class, and you can even find clear masks, which are especially helpful for students in speech therapy. Third, extra school supplies. Borrowing pencils or other items not recommended this year. To maintain safe hygiene and practice social distancing, we are encouraging all students in all schools to make sure they've got their own supplies. So if you can, send the kids to school with plenty of pencils, paper, glue, and other supplies they'll need. We got to sound off on this. The latest challenge to hit U.S. schools this fall is a shortage in bus drivers. The problem isn't new, unfortunately, as many of us know in school world, but the pandemic coupled with the labor shortage across sectors has made things worse. 
More than half of the bus drivers who made up the workforce were over 65 years old and unfortunately more vulnerable to coronavirus. That according to school ride service company Hop Skip Drive, which tracks school bus issues. Now, some school districts are offering incentives. A Montana district is offering a $4,000 bonus and inviting people to test drive big yellow school buses to try and fill these jobs. Another district in Delaware offered to pay parents $700 to take care of their own transportation. And a district in Pittsburgh even had to delay the start of classes because of the lack of drivers there. This is a critical issue when it comes to school safety, and not a lot of people realize this, but um, statistically, it is safer for kids to be transported uh, via buses um, to get to school. Just the number of accidents, um, think about your teen drivers and the parking lots and all of those fender benders. So even though we continue to Uh, battle issues such as supervision and bullying and and other types of issues on the bus um, get just being able to get the kids to school safely and get the kids to school period Um, a lot of families of course will not have the option of of driving kids in their working families or maybe they don't have um, a car uh, or or the um, the option to drive kids in so this is something that we're going to continue to keep an eye on as we move through this year and encourage folks out there to uh, pay attention to some of these incentives. This is not bad. $4,000 bonus to uh, to test drive the big school yellow, this big yellow school bus. Um, that's pretty enticing. So let's keep an eye on that and hopefully do our best to get kids safely to school. And how about this? According to a survey recently conducted for Office Depot, more than half of parents and teachers are feeling more anxious returning to school than they did before the pandemic. Actress and Honest Company founder Jessica Alba can relate. Love this girl. The mom of three recently told People Magazine about how her family is making the transition this fall. She said, For me, the health aspect of COVID is much more at the forefront of my mind. But for the kids, a lot of their stuff is still really social, emotional, bullying, being made fun of and and fitting in, doing well, and grades. That's plenty. Alba continued that when it comes to back to school anxiety, she tries to talk to her kids about what's within their control and try to not expose them to too much that's out of their control. Alba and husband Cash Warren deal with worries by keeping an open dialogue with their kids at dinner and before bed. For morning nerves, the family also goes for relaxing rituals like meditation. She also tries to find breakfast foods for the kids that are calming and easy on the stomach, like oatmeal. I'm in. <laughs> you know, when I think about this anxiety, it's real, folks. Um, it's real in my house. Um, it's it's real for just about everybody that I talk to. And one of our experts at Safe and Sound Schools um characterized it as breaking the bubble. You know, we all worked so hard to create this protective bubble and do the right thing and and pitch in and and do our part to to keep our loved ones safe and our communities safe. And now um, it's time time to come out. And, um, And we're still amidst a lot of changing information and uncertainty. And this pandemic has, uh, unfortunately, lots of twists and turns um, yet to come. So there's so much out of our control, yet we have this very um, 
just this very core need as human beings to to be together and nothing could be more true than that for our kiddos to be able to learn and grow they need to be able to do that in person but they also need to feel safe so i just love how jessica alba and her husband are having these conversations trying to keep it simple and just really trying to keep the focused on on what is within their control the rest um that's for us grown-ups to to worry about and and figure out together we are all in this together We've learned a lot today from keeping safe on the school bus to drinking from super clean water bottles. Before we go, let's end with a look on the bright side. This week's story is perfect for the return to school. Back in 2017, when Addison Yandel started fourth grade, her parents noticed that something seemed off. Her father, Dr. Chris Yandel, said she was more reserved and anxious about school. He would later find out that his daughter was being bullied. Looking to ease Addison's anxiety, Chris decided to write her a lunch note. It read, Be nice to others. Not everyone will look like you. Learn to spot the unique and special things in other people. You have the power to change someone's life. Since that first note, Chris has continued to write his daughter daily lunch notes with inspirational sayings and quotes. She's now in eighth grade, and he's written close to 700 lunch letters. And Addison wasn't the only person he inspired. He's inspired people around the world through social media, and Chris's notes were even published in a book called Lucky Enough. What a beautiful message from such a simple gesture. I think we can all take a lesson there. As Chris said in that first note, you have the power to change someone's life. Improving our school communities is a big job, and it takes all of us. It can be challenging at times, but we hope that by listening in each week, you'll feel more prepared and hopefully inspired and empowered to make your school safer. For more quick tips and ways to get involved, follow us on social media at Safe and Sound Schools or safeandsoundschools.org. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Entrado School Messenger, for supporting this podcast. And thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay safe and sound, everyone.